Hey, welcome to today's show. Have you ever thought about becoming your own boss? How about owning a franchise? Then give the folks at Liberty Tax Service a call with more than 20 years in the business of taxes and franchising. Liberty Tax can give you the flexibility you need and put you on the road to owning your own business. For more information, visit LibertyTaxFranchise.com. I love those folks. In fact, honk at them when you see one of those waivers. Well, let me tell you, I got a great show today because I'm going to be talking to Kevin D. Now, Kevin is the SVP for Global Product Management. That's data and analytics at Experian. Now, this is a company with 16,000 employees in nearly 40 countries. We're talking billions and billions. They're a very well-known brand with expertise in data analytics and technology. And of course, you've seen them in the news because they've had a little bit of controversy, the best way to put it, in terms of being hacked and having some issues, just like a lot of companies. So I wanted to have a company to come on and talk a little bit about data, what's going on with it. You know, we're talking about a $57 billion industry. Data, just information. And what's it mean to your business? What's it mean to you personally? What's out there? Where's it going? And how do we be safe? You know, so it's a great conversation. In fact, there's a funny story that you'll hear in the interview about the fact we couldn't talk to each other because it was so secure. So it's going to be fun. So anyway, welcome. And thanks so much for being a part. And let's talk to Kevin D. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Is data the biggest thing that's in the market today? I mean, when you think about all the things that could be done, to me, this seems like this is the holy grail. Yeah, we like to think so at Experian. When we look at the trajectory that data has been on, it really is no surprise to us. We've originated 40 years ago with the belief that data-driven advertising, it does the best good. It's the most actionable and marketers get the best results. And it's, it's great to see that it's moved beyond a male medium and moved into the wider ecosystem, including television, including all of the devices that we interact with daily. It's all led by data. Data and mathematicians are controlling the world or soon. How true is that? (laughs) Yeah. You know, if you got an algorithm, you've got it made and you'll win with it. But where do you see the biggest mistakes that people have with data? I mean, obviously, let's also state you guys have had some issues with data, and I think we all will, and everyone will, and some of it could be controlled a little bit better. I have to say, right off the bat, we tried to do this interview earlier, Kevin, and we couldn't get through your firewall, So, and you couldn't get out of your firewall, so we had to go get you in a hotel room to make this happen. So I think let's let the people hear that right off the bat. I was rolling on the floor laughing my ass off that we couldn't get through the firewall. So it is a funny irony and, and Wooly is certainly in data privacy, certainly very, very important issues. And, and I, I think it's safe to say Experian takes their role in data governance and security with incredible sincerity and concern. And, and that, that will never change. That's forefront of our minds. But when I look at some mistakes that marketers are making, I think it comes in a couple of folds. And the first is they'll look at data and they won't trust what the data is telling them. And they will go on some form of assumptive belief on what the data should be telling them. And and we'll look at some campaign design that is not at all geared to what they've learned. You know, that's exceptionally problematic. And we certainly try to coach as as much as we possibly can. The second is 
they collect data in silos and they don't really have a mechanism or they think through how I'm going to action against that data and where am I going to put that data to best use? And they'll look at a company like Experian and expect um, a magic answer. And, and certainly we work to solve those problems, but you know, simple thinking ahead of time on how I'm going to set up my data collection mechanism, data storage and distribution, knowing what my objectives are goes a long, long way to executing a, a great program. Well, we're going to come back to a couple of those things because both of those, I think, are really big. Let's talk about why don't they trust their data. I'd like to understand some reasons. It sounds like to me that the biggest thing is that they just get into their own stories. You know, having been a CMO myself, brands get into a story of who they are. And being in the C-suite, C-suite leaders get into a story of we're this kind of company or this or this or this. And I've said this on the show before, Kevin, that I was talking to an exec at Kodak where I used to be some eight, nine years ago. And he was still using the same figures on the visits to the website every day, which I know is not true. I mean, unless they've just frozen in time, and there's a lot of to say about that they did as a company. But is the biggest reason why they don't trust the data is they're kind of in, stuck in their own stories? Yeah, I, I was going to tell you right off the bat when you started the question, I think it's belief in their their legacy narrative and yeah. the belief that that hasn't changed. And it does change. I mean, I mean, just thinking through what's changed in the last 10 years with how we interact with the brands that we do business. And, you know, 10 years ago, was there such a thing as addressable TV? And now brands are getting and agencies are getting very, very smart in leveraging that data. And that data will tell a different story to me if done right than you, if we both happen to be neighbors in some city and watching the same television program at the same time on the same same cable operator. It's The data is there to be used and it's there to be used to make more meaningful interactions with consumers. Yeah, well, and especially on the digital side, we know that both in C-Suite Radio for podcast listeners with all the shows that we have and the data that we collect and watch and see, and then also with C-Suite TV in terms of our digital TV. So where else do you think that they have a problem? And I love the term you use, legacy narrative, and don't, don't let it write your own story. I think that's a really great message. Where else do you see where they really just don't take it? They kind of take it for granted and they don't trust the data. I would say when they are executing a marketing campaign and and data, I should say data comes in a variety of forms, right? So you've got data in building the audience, you've got data in you know what media consumers are active in or, or where we find those consumers. And you think building a segment, you know, is it on any of the social media platforms? Is it on addressable TV? And certainly there's overlap as you would expect. And then you go into what the measurement of a campaign will show you and how effective that campaign is. And all along those steps, you see some make the mistake of not trusting what the result of that data is saying. And so we might show an audience that we've worked with the advertiser to build and you know, we'll show where that we can find that audience and, and you know where and how to buy the best media exposure for that audience. And they'll want to go in a different direction. And it goes back to that legacy narrative. Well, we've we've had success here four years ago, five years ago, or three, whatever the time frame is, or you know, someone on our team believes this is the place to go. The data is not showing you that. The data is showing you this is where you're gonna get the the best bang for your buck. Or and you go to the measurement side and you know, campaign has run and maybe it's very successful and they Sometimes they'll say, well, we don't want to come back to that. And there's there's some reason internally why they don't want to come back to a successful campaign. But it's if you're going to use data-driven advertising, you know, having trust in the data and building that program on a, on a data foundation is critical. You think that data, now, of course, you're in this business, so I'm going to find your opinion to be a little bit biased, but nonetheless, I'm going to ask <laughs> you because you're in it. 
Is it the most underutilized asset in the company? I think if you were to ask me that five years ago, and I might surprise you with this answer, if you were asking me five years ago, I would have said absolutely. I see, I see data in a bit of a renaissance. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm comparing to the early parts of my career when I was in direct marketing, where those companies, they were all data-driven companies. And we saw a lull as we went through the early 2000s. And and data's taking a renaissance and more and more companies are embracing. I, I think when when you think about that question, it's, well, how do I embrace data? How do I bring it to the forefront? How do I connect these silos together? That's what is going on now. But I, I don't think the, I, I, there's not a lot of debate anymore about relative is, is data going to improve my performance? I think it's the question of how and, and where do we start? Well, I think it gets back to what's your conditions of satisfaction? What do you, how are you going to use this as a strategic weapon? And I don't know that everybody answers that question. I think that's the next big thing that they have to do. And you already said that. We'll talk about it. But by the way, I think we've also moved past this whole discovery of big data, right? Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Get over that. It's old school now because data is everywhere and it's big, huge. But basically, everything you want to know, you can kind of discover if you put in the right architecture. So when, when you're trying to span these silos, how come companies aren't putting in someone that is a chief data architect? And again, five years ago, that's exactly, you know, we would scratch our heads. We're seeing more and more of that. But I think the challenge that chief data architect is one where the objective of the organization might not be the objective that gets the best data result or the best execution out of that data. And you then become a, you get then become conditioned to what is that business trying to solve mm -hmm. that may not be most in line with how data can help that business solve that problem. I do see, you know, the more we talk to brands, the more we talk to agencies, I do see data and analytics leaders gaining more and more power and cloud inside of the organizations. And that's one of the, when we talk to those same, those same companies, we're finding much, much more data acceptance and how we communicate what we bring and how, how we're going to solve problems for those organizations. It's a much more fluid conversation now than it was a few years ago, precisely because of that, that CDO take, or sorry, the chief data officer taking a much more prominent role. Yeah, it's still tough though. I mean, I can, I actually appointed a chief data architect in 2008 when I was at Kodak and, <laughs> and when I was yeah. leaving, it was a great guy. His name was Dr. Sam. We had a couple PhDs. He goes, Jeff, you know that when you leave, they're going to take me out in the parking lot and beat me up. And, <laughs> you know, because you can imagine, of course, you know, you've been there. Back then, it was like we were all these silos, all these places, you know, IT wanted control of this and marketing, my marketing team wanted control, sales, everybody wanted control of data, but no one knew what they wanted to do. And I finally just said, no, we're going to put this guy in charge. I'll pay for him. He works in IT. Let's go get it done. And we started mapping out. And I remember I went to a conference and I came back and I said, here's, here's the where data warehouse in Quinn I want. And someone says, well, how do you know that this is right? I said, I don't, but we're going to start with this. I would say kudos to you. I mean, that, that's in, in 08, that's a brave move and it's the right move. And, you know, certainly data doesn't lie, but you've got to make sure you're collecting the right data. And it starts with a plan and a, an objective on what we're trying to accomplish 
it's it's great to see you know the industry I sit in. It's great to see chief data officers, chief data architects taking a much more responsible leadership role inside of organizations. Talk about that silo, and let me listeners that you're. This is a great example of it because the reason what I was doing was to solve a very simple problem. We had 19 business divisions, and each of those business divisions were all like you know vying for different things. But imagine that you, you let's say this is this is indeed what happened. We had at the time the Kodak Gallery, which is where you stored all your photos, you know, your memories. All your memories were stored there. Now, at the same time, we were selling somebody a printer, an inkjet printer, and we might have even sold them a camera. So let's imagine this. I sold somebody a camera for $150, $200, and then I sold them a printer for $100. And then that same week, they got an email from us that said that if you don't spend $2 with us, we're deleting your photos. And that's indeed what happened. And yet here was a, you know, when you look at the total customer value across the spectrum, this guy is pissed because, hey, I just spent $300 with you or whatever. And now you're telling me because I didn't spend $2 in the last quarter, you're going to delete my memories, you son of a bitch, you know, and I'll never do business with you again, right? Yeah, it's almost criminal, right? It's it's horrible. But, you know, it's and that's exactly, I mean, you, you put into perfect context the data challenge and you know you've got silos in the organization i can't think of a better more profound example than you just gave but it happens all the time we're talking to you know in some organizations you've got a the retail organization with the digital internet organization maybe there's even a direct marketing and catalog organization and they don't communicate and it's criminal when you think of the opportunity left on the table and these organizations aren't communicating and you know i i was i try to simplify things as much as i can what is each of their individual motivations? And those motivations aren't linked. And so there's no monetary incentive for those teams to talk, to collaborate. If they collaborate, the benefit on, I mean, how much would you have spent or that consumer have spent had they had a more consistent, concerted effort from from the brand in how they communicated? It's And it blows your mind because that to, in, in the end, it's about saying, okay, we're going to have a strategy that says we're going to have total customer satisfaction. So if we say something like that, then you've got to look at all the ways in which you deliver that, whether it be on the front end, on the back end. Usually it's on the back end that causes the most problems of us not knowing what we don't know, okay? Not knowing that you're a customer, not knowing that you've done this on one hand and now we're yelling at you on the other hand. You can't, I mean, then you can't achieve the objective, which really becomes a problem. Yep. So what do you say to come? I'm going to give you another great example. And I say it's great because I'm, I'm giving it, but I think it's a good one. So, so I, so I'm, so Kevin, I'm, I'm a, I'm a frequent flyer, as you probably can imagine. I fly hundreds of thousands of miles, giving speeches, doing the stuff I do. You probably fly equally as much doing what you do, because when you're an executive of a company, they got you one day here and the next day here. Just nature of our business. Well, we're stuck in meetings. Right. That's what we do. So, so we have to make the best use of that. But imagine I'm a, a platinum on one, or you know, like a hundred k member on one. And then I decide to switch over to another airline and get that same service from another airline, which I did. So imagine I did that and then move from one airline and then they enticed me and say, yes, come over here. We'll give you the same benefits, the same, same red carpet service, whatever you, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying not to pick an airline. Okay. You know, I want to be nice to big companies, but I think it's not their fault. They did it, but it is their fault. But so I make the switch. I'm one of their highest volume customers and I pay a lot of money for the right to sit on their planes and then to get me there safely. But when I made the switch, I didn't get a card saying, Hey, like we missed you. You know what I mean? To me, that just blows my mind that there's not someone watching data like that. You see that often? 
We, yes, sadly we do. It's, and again, it goes into a silo. You've got an organization, let's say the organization is connected on the front, but you still have organizations that are broken into who is prospecting and who is, who is managing existing client and clients, but you don't see who's managing attrition, how they work through that attrition problem. I mean, a simple card, you know, you know Jeffrey, we, or, we're sorry. Are you okay? You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. Something. I mean, it's not a lot of effort, right? And and again, these are these are data driven exercises. But when you you look da- data data driven exercises, it's all about the holy grail of right person, right time, right place, right? And and so this is a perfect application of just being person on a person level marketing activity goes a long way. Yeah, I got to tell you, and I love airlines and I love the people. But if I had frequent flyer customers at that level, we're talking about you know, a global member, 100K, platinum levels, whatever you want to say. And all of a sudden, I saw somebody that was flying, Mm -hmm. you know, six, eight times a week, like I do, or you do. And all of a sudden, I saw you, you didn't fly for three days. I want a red alarm to go off in the in the headquarters, you know, you know, Hazlett's not flying or, or Kevin or Kevin Dean's not flying. (laughs) Uh, Did he die? Oh my gosh, where's he at? You know, and then chase me down because I would, you know, I I just know how much money I spend per, as opposed to a casual traveler. Again, all tied to data, something data can solve, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you know, and and I and I think you know, taking it a step, just a step back for a second, because because data, it's so big and has so many different contexts. But I, I think of data in a couple different different ways. First is identity, and then you've got behaviors associated with the identity. And you know, at, at Experian, we are you know, we we look at the identity issue very, very you know, perhaps differently than than the rest of the marketplace. And and we've we've recently just launched a product called marketing connect that tries to take all those different fragments of identity across the ecosystem. And we're looking at whether it's a social ID, whether it's an IP address, you know, cookie device ID, you know, just, just run the gamut on on what they are and bringing those identities together so that we can inform brands like in your travel case, all of the, all of the different identities that, that this consumer has and now the PII side, that that that's that's something different. But because you, you're interacting with these identities, so, so on what, what, what's on, the PII side? So just for everybody that's listening, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, acronym. It's uh, personally identifiable information. And so the PII, uh, that information would be things like Jeffrey Hazlett, one two three Main yeah. Street, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So it's things like that. I mean, that, that's its own separate uh, item. You know, where we connect you via the mail, and we don't necessarily have to have Jeffrey Hazlett at one two three Main Street. It's a nice to have, but it's not the most critical. All of these identities, bringing these identities together in a very compliant, secure manner, so we can enable your travel company. Hey, you, you've you've got somebody here that's not traveling with you. We've got all these identities associated with this with this um, with this consumer. You need to reach out to him or her because they've not traveled in two weeks. And here are all the ways you're going to find them, and we're going to help you find them in all the distributive networks that we have. And so. When this ID shows up and it's it's active inside of one of the social networks, that's the time right then to send your message. Put a put a banner ad. It's one to one marketing. Jeffrey, yeah, we miss I, it. I would tell you the some of the folks that do it the best are the casino industry. My good friend Sheldon Addison owns the Venetian, and and of course I've got good friends over at MGM as well. 
And, you know, if I have my my cart, I push it into the slot machine and they know I'm one of the frequent flyers. There's somebody over there bringing me sandwiches and everything else I'd ever want. If I have to go to the bathroom, they'll bring me a bucket right there so I won't leave. I mean, literally like that. That's a visual, visualization <laughs> most people don't want right there. But my point is that they're paying attention to that. And I've, I'll guarantee you, and I do know this for a fact, they've got a big screens uh, up on their wall pinpointing where those customers are at so they can go out and help them. And to some extent, some people would say that's a little creepy. I don't think that's creepy. That's just like a great waiter or waitress, you know, knowing great customers and making sure you're taking care of them before they know they need the drink. You're bringing the drink over. I love that. I think that's good. I do as well. I, I don't find it. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, if when data is used responsibly and we, we take great strides to make sure it's ethically sourced and it's treated with respect and we protect it um, to great to great ends. You know, a lot of people look at data as being overreaching. I don't see it overreaching at all. I think it's convenience factor. And some people have even said it's creepy, you know, that they know where you're at at any given time. But I think it's like having, again, that great waiter who knows uh, what you want to drink. And when I sit down, he brings it right to me or she brings it right to me and, and takes care of me in great ways. That's the way I look at utilizing data in a really good way. You know, you, you, you couldn't be more more right, Jeffrey. And, and let's put it into context. And you know, I would say, first off, you know, we, you know, Experian holds, has a lot of values that we hold near and dear to our heart and protecting and securing data, sourcing that data ethically and making sure that that we, tr- we treat and, and just... It, keep that data as, as pristine and secure. And, and I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself. It's critical to what we do inside of our business. But I, I try to explain to friends, family all of the time, you know, what, what a data-driven executive does and, and the role that I play in the, the economy. And a few years ago, I was, uh, I was sitting uh, in a restaurant with, with my wife and kids, and we had just walked in. And when I walked in, the waiter behind the bar at the club that remembers they they know exactly he knows exactly that hey that's that's Mr. Dean he likes a Glen Morangy signet with one cube I'm not asking for the drink it shows up to me automatically and that's it's that that that's it's observational data I get it and they've seen how often I I order and they know me but that that same ability is there for marketers at scale in this data driven environment that we we operate in today and when it's done right it's so meaningful and it had that airline really thought about you and the fact that they hadn't seen you in a while a personal note reaching out you know jeffrey we we miss you something would have gone a long way in perhaps winning you back in, into their business but you know choosing no action or not even having a program to to look through the funnel and making those those identity connections it's it's critical and you know, we we launched a product at Experian called Marketing Connect that that looks at identity across the ecosystem, all the way from top of funnel to bottom of funnel, and bringing those identity pieces together for precisely that that type of problem. And it's it's a it's a key ingredient to a successful data driven campaign for sure. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about that. Although I, I I'm a little upset right now because of your choices of scotch, but other than that, it was great up until this point. <laughs> And, and the fact that you actually put ice with it, oh my God! Well, I know that's that's I mean, a sin. I, I I love one big cube. Yeah, my producer looked over at me right when I said that because he knew I was about to ready to pull the plug. But there you go. Because <laughs> if it's not Glenfiddich, I'm not sure I want to drink it. But anyway, no. Oh, okay, Glenfiddich. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, uh, the fact that, but I, but, but it shows you're a true gentleman because you do drink scotch. So that I appreciate. Hey, so I want to know what all the, 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 all of the indicators are that, that we can identify. If you could kind of cover that for the person that's listening in, because it used to be that it's like your email and then it became your cell phone number. So what are all, well, I guess the first one was just your address, right? Your, your personal address or yes. your business address. And then it became email Then it became cell phone. What are the, what are the things or the packet? I don't know. What, what do you call that? The little indicators or the personal information pieces that, that we could cross triangulate because you want them all quite frankly, because you want to find a holistic you know, avatar or, um, you know, customer set so I can find you any place, anytime, anywhere, so to speak, or sir, I, the better way is probably serve you anytime, any place, anywhere. What, what are those called? Yeah. And what are they? We call it identity inside of the business, but identity is a, it's a broad term and it does include all of the things you spoke about. So it's the, um, first name, you know, last name and the physical, physical address. And you mentioned email address, uh, Telephone numbers are certainly there, but then you look through your, um, you know, when you sign up for any of the social services, you create a social ID, you've got, you've got cookies and some of these are anonymous and some of these are tied to uh, some level of personally identifiable information. You have uh, device ID, you have IP address. These are some of those that when, you know, we, we look to, advertisers look to bring these together so that when we look and we find an identity in the, in the ecosystem, we want to make sure we find that identity and we give the most relevant advertisement or communication to that person at the best point in time. Because again, we're, we're striving, advertisers are striving for right message, right place, right time with the right offer. And we want to make sure we're enabling that. And that starts with purity of identity and making sure that you're you are understanding who is behind, what's that profile, what's behind that identity, and, and getting the right the right message with the right context to them. Kevin, you know, with your experience and or any other company and your vast experience, are advertisers able to once they find, let's say they find me and they know my cell phone number, or 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 my email address, are they able to find me in other places now? Let's let's imagine I am the perfect customer. I like to think I'm the perfect man. What the hell? It's, I think I'm the perfect customer. What's, so whatever my customer base data, my customer would be, whoever that would be, my perfect customer, or that my list of the dream customers, or or dream clients, or whatever it might be, or even executives inside those companies. If I had one of those, uh, you know, identifiers, could then I track you everywhere? No. Well, I guess. Conceptually, you could, but but marketers, advertisers aren't interested in tracking everywhere. Marketers and, and advertisers are interested in because they're 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 looking at campaign execution. They're looking at where am I going to find and its customers and prospects. Where am I going to find them in the value chain, and what is it that I want to communicate with them at that time? And so, so you got to put it in the context of what they're trying to solve. Now, in some cases, in you know when I, when we were using the example of the, the travel company. They have attrited company, attrited customers. They want to treat those attrited customers in a certain way, and they might look at zero to fifteen days attrition. What is going to be my message to the to those zero to fifteen attrition? You might even, depending on the volume, you might even segment that to say who are the high volume spenders versus medium versus low. But right. but linking those identities together and saying. Uh, very very unlikely they would have a a desire to 
to do that. If, that, if, if I'm understanding your question right, I'm if, if well, I'm but I, but I would think I would want to know. Look, I, I want to go to where the customer is and be there when he's ready to make the decision. So if I see them, if I know that customer and I'm able to identify them and start to see them showing up in places that would show a predictive buy or the fact that they would eventually, you know, I know certain things that it, the behaviors that lead toward that then I might be able to get in front of that customer as a campaign. Um, and I, that's what I'm looking at is how, how smart. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood your question, but my, my fault entirely. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's, but that's the beauty of, of, of data-driven advertising. The, the marketing funnel is, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful concept, but it's only wonderful if it's, if it's actually used and it's used through the beginning to the end of that funnel and, and where any individual is at that point in time. And, you know, you're, you're, you might see, you, you know, Jeffrey, you might move from your, from your, from an in-app that has a social ID to maybe a, a video login that has a different ID. And you're moving from, from app to app or device device. You might even be in a car, you know, listening to one of the, one of the satellite uh, radio stations. And, and they, they want to make sure that they're able to recognize you recognize that identity and then communicate you most effectively. That's when this is done, done the best. And, and again, I, I, I'm repeating myself. It all starts with solving that identity issue, that identity yep. challenge, right. because you, you've got to be able to communicate effectively. If you can't communicate effectively, it's you're, you're just marketing to the masses and you're, you're going to get it wrong 97% of the time. And I think the thing that most people need to realize, this is done with a great deal of trust. I don't know of a company out there that wants to lose your data or uh, have have issues, have problems. I don't know of any. I've never seen, I mean, outside of, you know, well, in my new book, I'll talk about this in the Hero Factor. There are there are companies that are just losers. They're ass, assholes. I mean, they just, they just truly are. We know the Bernie Madoffs. We know the guy that's, that's trying to sell, uh, you know, an insulin pump for, you know, a million times more than what it's worth or pharmaceuticals, or whatever. We know that. That's, there's that. But by and large, you know, ninety nine percent of the companies really want to do it right, and I, that's I think, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 we take a lot. We take a lot of pride in the industry. We we you know da- we want to use data for good and data for good. We we want meaningful relationships between brands and consumers. They're the most productive. Consumers benefit the most from those when that happens, and that's that's what this industry strives for. You know, outside of a out of a hack or anything else, do you do you have programs in place where you see that a company might be using it for not for good, and you step in? We'll do something where we might secret shop a a company, and if we find they're not using it according to our standards, we will cut off supply immediately. We uh, we audit our customers uh, regularly to make sure that the data is being protected. And um, yeah, we we've exited a, a, a fair amount of relationships for what we feel to be um, unacceptable management control use of our data. Yeah. So one last question I want to ask you is is around the spend and how how is data helping marketers really decide how to av- allocate the advertising buck? So I don't care if you're a big company or a small company. This is all about scale. Um, and you're just adding zeros, taking zeros out. So how how are companies using data? To really, you know, allocate the advertising dollars. Yes, and so we talked a little bit about that uh, earlier, sure. and I, I didn't cover it in, in that same way. It's good to come back to it, but it, it comes back to identity distribution and measurement. And so we've got to identify what is, you know, what's the audience you want to go after, and how am I going to uh, 
put that audience together. And, and there's a number of ways to do it. You could talk about demographic factors or purchase, per, uh, purchase uh, history, any, any number of, of, of axes you can, you can follow. And when you do that, you, you then want to match that audience to where am I going to be able to locate that, that audience of consumers most effectively. And, and it often includes multiple media channels and again, social addressable TV, et cetera. But la- it's that last piece though. It's the measurement. So once I, once I execute that campaign, if I've chosen the right audience and chosen the right, the right media channels to pursue, closing that loop and coming back to say, to understand what happened across all of my retail channels, my internet channels, my direct marketing channel, catalog channels. Let's bring all that data together along with the media exposure data and find out how truly effective our, our campaigns and efforts were. That's really where that the benefit starts to accrue because now you're taking that learning and you're going to go right back to the beginning of the process and you're always ideating to a better execution based on, again, it's, it's all based on data-driven, uh, data-driven facts from your campaigns. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and folks, for listening in, we're talking about what's been more traditional but with some new twist to it. But even in the future, I, I sat to a presentation and watched uh, where someone's trying to recruit me for a board. We're actually going to put data in the air. And so imagine, you know, we know about near-field communications where I've got it on my phone, geofence and things like that. But imagine that I can make, you know, six-inch grids in the air everywhere around us and, and around the whole city. And then when you walk through those certain pieces in the, of air, we can actually start to deliver messages to you. We can actually start to serve you better through that data. It's, it's fascinating. And I really appreciate uh, Kevin being a part of this and being a part of all business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And before I do that, don't forget to tell your friends about the show itself, All Business with Jeffrey Hazel, right here on C-Suite Radio and on iTunes and everywhere else that you get a podcast. And do me a favor. How about give us a ranking? If you like the show, uh, give us a good one. If you don't like the show, give us a bad one. I'm fine with that. I think if you're listening this far, though, you're going to like the show. But all those little stars, all those little check marks, all those little likes really help us a great deal. I mean, that's how I make my money. And I make my money by being engaged with you. I would hope you would do the same. I'll tell you, here's what I learned. Legacy narration. I thought that was a great term. You know, don't let your legacy narrative control who you are or what you want to be. You can redo your whole story. Just don't rely on that narrative of the past to write your story for the future. And I thought that was really good. Now, we're, of course, talking about data and how to use the data and the story and so forth and so on. But really think about it for your own personal life, for your own business uh, your own relationships with kids and your family and everything else. I thought that was real insightful. And that's what I learned right here on C-Suite Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.